of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio. This is episode 303. Jason Lingren is with me and Jessica Brink is back. And actually, I don't have the episode image. Maybe we'll get it before I'm done speaking here. Uh, initially, we spoke with Jessica Brink. It wasn't that long ago. I don't know, maybe a month, something like that. And she is a patient care advocate. Since we've spoken with her, talked with her, is that better? She's lost her job. And uh, there's a bunch of things other that we will cover. Uh, So many people, so many emails I see weekly now uh, that folks can't see their loved one in a hospital or an old folks home. It's really quite crazy how quickly things went south here. And it's really quite crazy uh, that people are abiding uh, when you're told you may never see your parent again or something like that. It blows my mind to be frank about it. Because just because the world got crazy doesn't mean we as individuals have to. But welcome, Jason. And good morning. All right. Do we have anything to do before we jump in? No, let's make this happen. All right. Welcome back, Jessica. Hi there. How are you? We're, we're good. The weather's been a little bit upsetting for a California person. But let's jump straight in. Uh, where, where do you think is a good place to start? Do you want to address the loss of your job first or maybe maybe what we'll do is the main event here that we just spoke about we'll push that back a little bit so let's just start right there uh, with you losing your job as a decent human being with a conscience you were a bit vague because you were still employed last time around but let's kind of just lay down what's happened here Sure. So, um, yeah, I had been since beginning of the school year, I had been working as a a school nurse and I was brought on as the third school nurse, uh, between two different schools, you could say. So there were, there were two different schools. I was the third nurse just to be kind of a extra hands with everything going on with the uh, COVID pandemic and all the additional requirements needed as far as monitoring kids in the morning and and temperature taking and, and quarantine rooms and all this stuff. So in this instance, I I wasn't seeking a job. Um, This person came to me and and asked me um, if I would if I would do it. Um, And I said, "Hey, you know, why not? It it could be interesting." I really hadn't didn't have any intention of ever becoming a school nurse because I I know the politics that are involved there. But uh, I said, "You know what? Let's let's see what's going on here. Let's check it out." So I I started working um, in September. And right from the start, I wasn't, I just didn't have a good feeling about it. You know, these, they had put together these operational plans as far as, you know, the way to the road back, you know, bringing the kids back into school. And, you know, it started first as they'd be in person a couple days a week and just for a few hours. And then as time went on, they gradually brought kids in more often and and more kids in. But I noticed there was very little education going on. It it was a lot of rushing from virtual class and, and making sure kids had their masks on at all times and they were staying six feet apart. And I noticed a lot of the teachers were turning into what I felt I'd been through boot camp. It felt like boot camp to me. Kids were being yelled at in the hallways, you know, six feet apart, get your mask on. And uh, every morning they would come in and they'd have their temperatures taken with, you know, a a thermometer gun. That's what they call it. You know, those aren't my words. That's, Hey, can you get me a thermometer gun? So these kids would walk through the door and bow their heads and they'd get their temperature taken and they'd have their mask on and, that was the first thing I kind of pushed back on a little bit was I brought all the, the documentation that the peer reviewed studies saying, look, these thermometer guns are effective. If you use them on the neck, you don't have to use them on the forehead. You can use them on the neck. You know, they're a little less effective if you use, if you use them on the wrist, but let's, let's try an alternate um, approach to this. So we're not pointing something called a gun at a kid's head, 
you know, every single morning. Some of the folks were open to it and did kind of follow my lead. I just refused to take temperatures. That was kind of the first point that I pushed back on. But then as time went on, you know, I was in the morning and this is pretty much everyone that I've talked to that has kids in school are going through something similar where the parents have to fill out a screening form before the kid even gets to school in the morning. They have to answer their questions, whether there's any symptoms, if they've had any travel, uh, if there's anyone in their household that's testing, you know, that sort of thing. Every day? Every day. The employees and the, the parents of these students have to fill out this form every day. So right off the bat, like the hairs are standing up on the back of my neck because we're not supposed to be collecting personal health information about these kids on a daily basis in some automated form that isn't really secure in any way. Not only that, we're asking them about their private lives. Have you traveled anywhere? Is anyone in your house sick? So bells and whistles are going off right from the start. But now if this form isn't filled out, the kid or the child has to come into the school and go directly to the quarantine room. Now, this is a room that literally has shower curtains hanging in it to divide up three different spaces. So like there's one space would be for kids that are actively symptomatic. There would be another space for kids that are being screened. And then there's another space for, you know, kids that are, you know, questionable or whatever. So if the form isn't filled out, the child has to go to the quarantine room. And they're really not allowed to leave until either the form gets filled out or the parent comes to pick them up. So right there, I'm thinking this, you know, this doesn't feel right to me. If, if this were under any other circumstance, if I put a child in a room and told them they couldn't leave, you know, that's, that's some sketchy territory. You know, this isn't my child. And then here I'm telling them that they can't leave. Is there any legal ground for this stuff? Like, could a parent say, uh, I never said that was okay. Absolutely. They could. I mean, this, the right, the natural right to move about is, is inherent. There is no, and it, and you'll look, if you look in at any of the guidance that's out there right now, it, it'll say self-quarantine or it'll say it's recommended because they know that they cannot force anyone to quarantine or to isolate without a court order. It, it, it's, very clear, you know, in the, the regulation. And, and if you look at it on the CDC website, it even says federal law is supreme. And anytime there is a state law that's conflicting with federal law, it's the supremacy clause of the federal law is supreme. So federal law says you cannot quarantine or force anyone to isolate without a court order. So we're essentially forcing these kids to quarantine in a room at school you know, potentially against their will. I mean, none of the kids ever pushed back, but you know, if a parent were to push back, I, I definitely think they would have grounds to stand on. That's the crux of the problem, right? People can say whatever they want to say, but when a mother or a father walk away from decency and refuse to defend decency and what's correct, that becomes a, you know, it reminds me of the day the music died, you know, that would be Mar- March 11 in 2020. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just a song. It's just words. Um, how is it? You know, what astonishes me more than anything is who the hell are all these administrators, man? Don't, don't they have a crisis of conscience? Don't, I mean, at the very least, each one of us knows we shouldn't be breathing our own exhaust fumes all day. And to put children through that is, I don't even have words for that. But anyhow kind of interrupted your thought there. No, it, it's certainly in line with one of the biggest frustrations that I've had. And I, I really, I really do think it's based in 
and I'm not saying it in a bad way, but, but ignorance, you know, a lot of parents don't know that their children have these rights, you know, they, they don't have to blindly follow, but there, there is a lot of peer pressure and there is a lot of confusion. You know, some parents, they're choosing to keep their kids home. Some parents want their kids in school, but they don't want them to wear masks. And then some parents want them protected, you know, wrapped in a plastic bubble, but still able to go to school. So you're, we're never going to make everyone happy, but I just wish that everyone at least had a choice or at least knew that they had a choice because this is no secret. Again, the districts around here are, are putting things on their websites. You can, you can go to just about any school district, probably in the country and find their operational plan. And it'll clearly say your kid must wear a mask. Your kid will be subject to, you know, a quarantine room or some, some of them are calling it a waiting room because that sounds so much better. But these are things that parents don't have to accept. You know, a school is a place of public accommodation. They cannot discriminate because of a because of health status. A school administrator does not have a medical license. They're, they can't be diagnosing children with a, you know, a communicable disease as they are doing and, and forcing kids to stay home from school for, you know, 10 or 14 days. And, and those were some of the challenges that I was really having in this particular situation because I was going based on the CDC guidelines and Department of Health. So in this particular instance that really brought this up to the surface for me, I was working one day by myself. Uh, the other nurse needed the day off and um, I had to make a decision about, about a child and it, they've taken it to such an extreme. So it, it feels like it almost like every school district has to do the best they can. And in this particular place, they were really doing a, a good job as far as they were concerned. If one sibling got sick, they would send the entire family home. You know, if, if one sibling complained of a stuffy nose, the whole family would go home until they got tested. So in this instance, we did send a child home with a symptom and the sibling that was in the other school had to go home as well. And the mom called and said, hey, you know, how long do I have to keep the sibling home for? And I went through the logical, critical thinking to determine that it was a certain amount of days. So I told her that. And then a little while later, I found out from the school administrator that he had told her something different. So I said, wait a second, I'm confused. I, I typed it up in an email and said, you know, I'm requesting some clarification on how this works, because this is my understanding based on the specific guidelines that I'm following from the CDC and, and so forth. And this was an instance where he just basically made up his own mind. He's making medical decisions. Clearly, yes. Between a rock and a hard place there, you take corporate guidelines as some kind of a rule or a law, or you have a person who's basically an administrator making medical decisions. Which conflict with the standing policy that me as a nurse who has a medical license, I'm the only licensed medical professional in the building at that point, yet he's making the decision. So that puts me in a, in a sticky situation, not only with the parent, but also from a liability perspective, because I need to follow a scope of practice. And if I don't, you know, that's grounds for not only termination, but also to have my license taken away and for liability from the family standpoint. That's a critical point. Let's just stop there for a second. A lot, for quite a while, I've suspected that state governments have kind of been set up to fail here. Um, how, how can it be that they'll last when they can't even follow constitutions or basic ideas that we all came up in this country understanding to supposedly be correct? At some point, 
there are going to be enough Alphonses, Jessicas, and others who have just simply asserted um, their regular rights, and there's no defense, really, unless at some point the court systems just decide to quit functioning, um, which I don't think we're seeing at at least the upper court levels yet. Uh, but my point would be is, are you are all these people following the guidelines blindly? Are they being set up to fail? Will there be people in the future who come back uh, demanding, you know, why did you violate my rights? Who the hell were you to have done these things? And I think it's critical because uh, there's probably a lot of people in, in the position you were in before they dismissed you. Indeed. In, somebody actually sent me an email this morning. Um, I've been pretty active on Alphonse's website, and I explained this story in, in so many words there. And uh, somebody emailed me this morning from Ohio saying they're in, a, in the same situation. So I, I know I'm not alone. In fact, I saw it on the news this morning that uh, a waitress was fired for not um, following the mask guidelines. So it's it's happening. It's it's rampant. But I, I also do recognize, like you're saying, Crow, there's is it a set? Is it the revelation of method, or are we being set up to fail? And you know, some corporate entity comes in because governors in certain states completely mismanaged, whether it be the pandemic or you know the stuff going on in Texas. It's. I, I suspect that's the case, and I suspect the pie in the sky goal is to have governance by Taco Bell, administration of so-called schools by Taco Bell. It's it's all a push for corporation and to remove the existing structure. Uh, there has to be a takeover, a failure, um, and I would just point out that everyone who's wrestling with the position you found yourself, if one single parent wants to assert their rights, even using the methods like people in Alphonse, just basic things, might not turn out so well for a lot of people. And it, this blows my mind, too, is how is it that an administrator is still making medical decisions for people with impunity? How long can that go on? Yeah. So, so the story actually gets a bit more interesting. And, and I have to say, I, I do. There was a period of time where I was really disheartened about this whole thing. But having had the experiences I've had in the last couple of weeks, I do have hope now because I, I've seen the process work firsthand as far as, you know, going about this the right way and reclaiming, you know, your your natural God-given rights. You know, if you apply the the stuff that Alphonse has talked about, um, at least in my experience, it, it works. And that's kind of my hope. Even if I can just tip the scales in, in the other direction a tiny bit, even if it's just within this, this school district and, and maybe reach out to some people. It creates a precedent, doesn't it? So, and, and this, this starts to speak to how many adults in the room have stood up and said, wait a minute, man, what's going on here? Um, who's looking out for the absolute best entrance of these young lives and, and many more questions. How is it that some dude who runs a school is now making medical decisions? Once someone does these methods and, you know, we'll just assert right now, if you submitted an affidavit as a possible response and it went unrebutted, that's the gospel now an unrebutted affidavit. And that must create a precedent. And since we know all these corporations are big on, you know, protecting their own skin, well, apparently they're involved in things they probably shouldn't be right now. That is a precedent. And so when we see more people simply saying, let's come back to common sense here, there will be a change. But at what point that comes up, I've been waiting almost a year now for that point. Yeah. And then, you know, that's my hope. I, I keep looking at it like, you know, one or two people climbing up the side of a mountain, you know, that's all it takes to, to get the avalanche rolling. So maybe if we just uh, 
tip it in the right direction, people will start catching on. Um, well, that could be the catch 22 too, because if that does begin to happen, places could fail uh, for having so egregiously operated against the rights of living men and women and yeah. young people. Um, and that's what I suspect is going <laughs> on here because there's really, I, I don't understand how it's defensible other than people bullying and using the crowd mentality to say, you get in line, one of us, that idea. Um, beyond that, it's uh, for the life of me, it's not defensible. No, you know, someone brought it to my attention that maybe it's there is a lot of funding um, being thrown around for these schools that are able to to meet certain measures. And the more days you have kids in school, you know, the the more funding you get from from the CARES Act and so forth. And I I've, I've dug into that too, and I know how much the schools, at least in this area, are getting. Um, and it's not pocket change, you know. So there is some incentive financially to to keep kids in school, but the the extent to which they're going is just, in some cases, criminal. Is, is this magical money that they're handing out with no strings attached? Must be magical money, right? Of course. The, of course. The only money in the world with no <laughs> strings attached to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, I'm curious, what if a school, let's just say that someone actually had this situation set up, a private school, I guess it would be, decided to not follow any of this nonsense and just treat it like any other day, every day. What might happen? Yeah, it's it's happening here. You know, I have some friends that um, have kids in in private school for that very reason. You know, they back at the beginning of the year when when all this stuff started, they pulled their kids out of public school and put them in private school because they're not requiring masks. You know, they're not doing any of this Is nonsense. That true? Yeah, private schools are not engaging in this. It, it, no. Wow, I totally didn't expect that. Kudos to private schools. They usually get derided for being only accessible to the rich, but I had no idea. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's to different degrees, of course, but I know specifically of one school here where I am that, granted, it's it's a much smaller student population, so gives them a little more leeway, and it is religiously based, but they're going about business as usual. They're having full days, five days a week, no, no masks, none of, none of it. Well, this is a big deal, though. Are they exhibiting any issues? Do they have children dying in the hallway? So their bodies <laughs> littered everywhere? Are no. zombies dragging their feet, eating brains? I mean, what's going on here if people are walking around without masks and not social distancing and not having guns pointed at their heads to take their temperature? Yeah, exactly. And it, of course, these are private schools that aren't getting, they don't get public funding. So that's why they're able to do these things. But they, well, they don't talk about that stuff. It's a bit surprising because what we've seen in other places, like with the restaurants, we've heard from so many restaurants where, you know, everyone's aware of the big multinational box stores. You can bring thousands of people in your doors and stay open, but you mom pause, you got to close. The restaurants were hit hard. And what we saw was actual enforcement coming out and people being cowed down uh, by the threat of enforcement and licenses pulled and this type of thing. But I am not aware of a single instance where someone, I mean, something as simple as an affidavit didn't back it off. But I would be surprised to learn from you. Aren't aren't there school licenses or permits or, you know, that whole ramshackle system being levied against them? Or is it is this a loophole for the rich? I, I'm just wondering. I, I think, and, and I'm speculating here, but I would imagine it has something to do with almost like a private school being a private a private membership club. Ah, um, so yeah, course. they're, they're basically of able course. to set their rules and, um, yeah. 
my brain and, was off the track. I think, yeah. I think you're right. Well, and then there's the religious aspects too, right? Exactly. And, yep. and, and you know, all the people who bag on religion because they see ridiculous forms of it or people doing ridiculous things with it. Uh, what does it tell you when the whole world's coming under siege and some of these organizations that claim a spiritual intent, maybe not all the way untouchable, but a hell of a lot more untouchable than the public entities. Yeah. This past week. And it, I do think it's amazing. Once kind of once you get headed in the right direction, things just start to happen for you. And I feel like that's kind of been my my situation um, over the last year and a half, I'd say, since I quit my job in corporate America. But um, just last week, I have an Amish friend that I, I deal with for groceries and that sort of thing. And, and out of the blue, he mentions that he's having some trouble with his daughter who is trying to get a job in a grocery store. But because she's one of 10 children, she was born at home. She has no birth certificate. She has no social security card, none of it. And the grocery store is about to fire her because she won't fill out the, what is it? The W-2, whatever document it is that you have to fill out so that they can start withholding social security taxes and such. So he was distraught because his daughter is finally coming of age and she wants to have some income. And because of this paperwork, they're going to fire her. And um, I said, you know what? I I can help you. Right. I was going to say, it's not that hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, so we had a little conversation last week and, and he shared with me without getting into it, but a while back, he challenged the government on something that they were doing in their Amish community that they have every right to do. But he set the precedent in his community for this particular thing. And since then, four years ago, they have not been touched. The the government has not come back to harass them one bit about this particular issue. And they're some of the most generous, honest people I've ever dealt with in my life. They just want to live peacefully. And I have so much. And they're respectable. To the point, Crow, where they, I have overpaid them on occasion for certain things. And they have literally returned two, two pennies to me because they want to be as honest and fair as they can be. And it's just, it breaks my heart to, to hear the stuff that they're, they're going through. Jason and I have a common friend who's appeared on the show. Um, he, it's kind of famous. It went viral for a while, I think. Ask the Amish, how come your community uh, is not getting all these COVID backlash and problems and sicknesses? And the guy looked him in the eye and said, because we don't have telephones and we don't watch TV. That's how we became immune. But the, even that individual is kind of moving into the areas where these people predominate because it is so rare to find decent human beings that will measure what is true and correct above what is being pushed by mob force mentality or fear tactics or, you know, so much of this, it it kind of stunned me. And that's when I began to suspect that a lot of these places are getting set up to fail so that Taco Bell can come govern at some point in the future. They actually sent, they threatened to do enforcement, then they sent enforcement. And in so many cases, it was so simple for someone who knew what to do to stand there and send them packing. But for the majority of people, they let fear get in the way. And I would ask, you know, if if your livelihood is being shut down, (laughs) what do you have to lose, first of all? But I mean, what would you say? It's really not that hard to assert your rights, is it, Jessica? And it's not the idea of going to make someone pay. That's not the idea here to get retribution or revenge. None of that nonsense. It's simply establishing your rights, um, which as far as I know, the Amish communities did out of the gate. 
Yes. And, and even when I was talking with my friend, he doesn't necessarily understand the concepts of common law and, and, you know, the things that, that I talk about with, and that everybody talks about with Alphonse, he just knew at his core that it wasn't right. And that's how he went about it. And oddly enough, everything that he was saying was, had to do with common law concepts because they're, they make sense. You know, if, if you explain these things to a seven-year-old, it makes sense. So I've kind of gone through the the phases here and, and I've listened to all the different shows and it doesn't even have to be that difficult. I, I went down, I, I got my certificate of live birth and I looked into the name changes and all that stuff. And I said, it doesn't necessarily have to be that difficult. If we've got to go through all, jump through all these hoops to claim that we're a sovereign man or woman, are we really a sovereign man or woman if we've got to go through all this BS to get there? There's the crux. What, yeah. what you're hitting on is the crux. Um, and to me, it's personal choice. Some people want to live and be very engaged in commerce and have a life very similar to they've always known. Other people, not so much. And that's why we've covered so many different angles. But I'm with you. Um, what's different about the Amish community in any given county in the country? The difference is, is spiritual intent. They have a higher idea of a spiritual intent of what it means to be a living man or a living woman, and they're not going to violate that. It's that simple. Where everyone else has decided to throw those things out the window to basically be, for lack of better terms, involved in commerce. It's almost It almost could be allegorized with the idea of, in God we trust on the money. <laughs> is it, do you trust in God or is it in God we trust on your money? Which one of those hmm. two things is more important to you? The commerce with those words on some fiat paper or the actual truth of how how did a human being get to, to, to be here and how should we treat each other in this place? And if you go with the latter, that's true spiritual intent. And what we have found is these commerce-based corporate entities will not step over that line, proving in fact that there is a higher or highest court, proving in fact there is a reason for a Bible whether people like to hear it or not in every courtroom. A lot of people like to belittle what has become of organized religion, which you can easily find fault with. But the truth is, is buried under all that nonsense, there is still a reality that applies to any living human being, for lack of better terms. Indeed. It's, it, you know, I, I wasn't raised with any religion. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that because it's given me the chance to explore a lot of different things, but I've become quite spiritual over the last few years, having realized how important it is to me, but free of corporation, organized religion is corporation just to be clear about it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. I, I wasn't raised in, in any of that corporate stuff. Um, but that's given me the opportunity to, to see things from a different perspective. You know, I have friends that are are devoutly Christian and and I've tried to have conversations with this particular person about some other things that I've explored and and he won't hear it he won't I've given him books and he absolutely won't won't even open them and in my mind once once you've made up your mind about something you're you're no longer a, a thinking being you know you're you've made up your mind about it so I, belief, I tend to belief is the enemy of knowing. There yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the reason. That's the reason. But uh, let's get yeah. back around. So what happened? Yeah. Um, so you, um, your your conscience stood up and your job went away. Yeah. So I had emailed the administration saying, "Look, here's my confusion. You know, I've it's it's put me in some awkward situations with parents because I'm saying one thing based on what is the CDC guidelines, and you're saying another. I've literally had parents." 
yelling at me. And I, you know, aside from saying, listen, you got to talk to talk to the administration. It, this isn't my call. The, I sent out an email saying, Hey, look, I will put together a workflow just so we're all on the same page. So there isn't this confusion. Children need consistency. If in these crazy times, the one thing they need is consistency. So I, I approached it from that perspective, you know, really wanting the kids to, to just have some normalcy in their life and they never got back to me. So fast forward two weeks after I, I put together that workflow and everything, the school was shut down for two weeks because the numbers got too high, supposedly. And um, when, when I was coming back to work, I was going to be coming back by myself because one of the other nurses was out. She was out for a period of time. So I was going to be the only one in this particular school. So we were back at the same situation. Here I am having to be the one making the decisions. I'm still not clear on, on the policy that I'm following. So I requested a meeting with the administrator before school opened again. And meeting Monday morning, I said, Hey, you know, here's the deal. I sent you an email a couple of weeks ago. I haven't gotten any feedback. I'm still unclear about the policies that we're following. Here's my understanding. I can't be following the school's policy or things that have been said here and there because there is no consistency and there is no medical basis for it. So we went back and forth for quite some time and, and he was saying, well, it's, it's in my emails, um, it's school policy. Uh, and I said, well, you know, you really, for one, you're, you're not a doctor. You don't have a medical license. You can't be diagnosing kids. You can't be locking them in a room. You can't be keeping them away from school because you suspect they may have a communicable disease. I said, the only way you can quarantine someone is, is with a court order. I said, a lot of the stuff you're doing here is not, <laughs> is not right. And to be honest, it's, it's illegal. And um, he basically said that I wasn't comfortable. I clearly wasn't comfortable following the expectations of the school and that everything had been provided for me in emails um, and that I probably shouldn't come back. And I said, so you're firing me? And he said, no, you're just not comfortable following the rules. I said, you're putting words in my mouth. I'm completely comfortable being a nurse. I'm just not comfortable practicing without a clearly defined policy and, and outside of my scope of practice. So Basically, at that point, he ended the conversation and, and said that I wasn't welcome back at the school. That's called firing, as far as yeah. I know. And I've, I've got to ask another. <laughs> I've got to another, ask another question. So the numbers got too high. You're one of very few actually licensed medical workers, and you don't know what that means or how they derive those numbers. Someone else does that. Yes. So now, keep in mind, I am not the the main medical professional in either one of these places. There's two other nurses that are hired there, and they they were doing all the communication with the Department of Health, um, and they were managing the spreadsheet and, and figuring out the numbers. But it, as I understand it, um, there was a, commun a conversation that was had with the Department of Health, and they did whatever their calculation is, 3% of the population, and, and so on and so forth. And once you get to that certain threshold, um, they have to close the school down. So I, I've got to ask, so are all the, the actual licensed medical personnel? Are they new? Have they been around working where, where we're talking about for a long time or had all these positions rolled over? I mean, you said September, so your position was newly filled. Uh, were the other positions newly filled to your knowledge? No, no. They had been there for tens of years. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it, that was on a Monday. School was due to start um, again on a Thursday. The kids were meant to come back into the building. Actually, Monday night, I, I sent an email to the, the entire school board because the school board had to approve my hiring. 
And the the beauty of this is that everything is public knowledge. All the meeting minutes, they've all got to be out there publicly accessible. So I saw the document, the meeting minutes, where I was approved as a permanent substitute. And so I said, you know what, this guy's kind of going rogue and firing me um, in spite of the school board's whether they have any say in it or not, I'm not quite sure. But I said, you know what, I'm just going to email them just in case. So I emailed them. I explained them all the situation. Factual, you know, I, I just said, look, I just want, I want what's right for the kids. That's my bottom line here. These poor kids are suffering day in and day out with all these draconian measures. From that perspective, I just wanted them to know what was going on. I didn't hear anything back. Not one of the school board members responded or even acknowledged my email. And I copied the, the person that fired me. And, uh, Ironically, <laughs> I think two days later, I, I went back on and checked the website and the school had updated their operational plan. And lo and behold, just about everything, almost word for word in the document that I had sent two weeks earlier, now shows up in their operational plan, including the, the links that I had provided them, wording that I used wow. in the document show up in their operational plan. And I, I just thought to myself that... Where is the integrity? You know, here, here is a leader of, of young minds literally firing me and then taking my words and putting them in the school policy. It, it was just a kick in the gut. So did you ever get any formal notification that you were persona non grata or was this a phone <laughs> call? Did you, did you get officially notified? No, you know, I've been, so it, I should have probably said this in the beginning. I was hired through a third party a contractor basically that, that hires out substitutes of all types. But I was hired as a permanent substitute for this particular school district with the intention of not ever going anywhere else. So when the, the termination happened, the administrator said, I, I'm going to, I'll email this company directly. And I said, well, can you copy me on the email? And he said, no. So I reached out to the company that had hired me and said, listen, can you please keep me in the loop? I, I really want to know the grounds for which he terminated me. And that's ongoing. They're still looking into it, which I, I don't know their situation. They, they did email me and, and say that my standing with them is, is free and clear. They understand the circumstances for which I was let go. And, and it doesn't reflect in any way on my employment with them. But at this point, they don't have any other jobs. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, I mean, I, so, I, I'm not interested in, in going back to working there or for any other school district at this point because it's... All right. Well, you, you had the capacity to speak up and say you had concerns uh, for the welfare of young lives. How dare you? So what are you doing now? So I've been dealing with another legal issue, helping my uncle through uh, a landlord-tenant issue that's a total disaster. I haven't had a ton of time to focus on this, um, but I've... I'm putting the pieces together in my brain. I've, I've talked to Alphonse about it. Alphonse has been amazing. Um, so, so gracious that that man is between, I, I reached out to him actually probably about two months ago now regarding my uncle's tenant issue. And he's helped me through that. And then as we were talking, I, I mentioned in conversation that, you know, I was fired and, and he said, Oh, write me up a list of the things that, that you think they were asking you to do that, that were wrong. And when I typed up the list, I thought, wow, so I've, I've got a list of all the things that they were asking me to do that were impinging on the rights of these children. I'm, I'm, pre- I'm pretty well versed at the affidavit and notice of claim at this point because I've had to do it time and time again for my uncle. So I think my next step will be uh, that very thing, a, an affidavit of fact, stating all of the different, both federal and state codes and laws and things that they've, they were asking me to break from 
quarantining kids to forcing them to have a PCR test, which, as Alphonse points out, is assault. So we're, we're forcing these kids to have a PCR test before they come back to school. You know, which of does nothing, which is documented to do nothing. Exactly. But it, but it's, that's what they're saying is, is the gold standard, which they say everywhere. It's, it's not that's actually. All the, all the glitters is not gold, but um, right. are you going to become an ad, ad? You were a patient advocate at one point. And actually, when we get into hour two, uh, we're going to tell quite a heart-wrenching story about you applying what you know how to do within that system to let two people see each other again before a death occurs. Um, but will you be an advocate in the world? Like Alphonse has basically set down his life and he's helping all comers. Do you have any intentions of going a similar way in your area of expertise? I do. Um, actually, I've been so inspired by Alphonse because, like I said, he's he's helped me tremendously. And, and it's it's invaluable. I couldn't even put a price tag on it. And to know that he's doing this out of the, the kindness and generosity of his own heart, I'm, I'm following suit. You know, I, I've actually just started a... The website hopefully will be live by the time this show goes live, but uh, I have a, an advocacy site called nursewithin.com, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm really digging all this legal stuff, so I'm, I'm thinking about going, going down that route too, kind of marrying the two, because I, you know, Alphonse definitely has the, the realm covered on a lot of the, the common law stuff related to traffic tickets and that sort of thing, but I think there's also some opportunity as it as it relates to medical stuff. So I'm, I'm definitely putting myself out there to help as many people as I can. And since I don't have a job now, I've got plenty of time. <laughs> You'll have to log in you know, when the episode 303 goes live and make sure at the top of the comments or send it to me um, that I can get your contact or website. What else can we uh, get into hour one before we come back and uh, wet some handkerchiefs? One thing that I, I find people are really struggling with for one, I, I, don't, I don't even think they realize that there is this wealth of, of freedom that is, is untapped. I think when I, when I try to have these conversations with people, they're just so, they, it doesn't even make sense to them. But for me, in order to get to a place to realize that this stuff was even possible, I quit my job. I decided to go on a four-month, well, actually, I, I quit my job. I moved to Ireland for a, a long-distance relationship. Um, which didn't work out, but nonetheless, I, I learned some really valuable things there. It was such a risk for me to take to just throw off all this security and go. And then I came home and said, you know what? I, I went on a four-month road trip living out of my Subaru, and I literally just followed my instincts. I had no plan. I just, everybody I met was some amazing person who introduced me to some other amazing person to the point where I'm, I drove all the way to Newfoundland and back. And along the way, I met someone that actually knew the guy that I was in a relationship with in Ireland. And all these pieces kept coming together. And I'm thinking, like, once you get on the path and things start lining up, it, it just makes sense. And I, I just wish people would, would trust that instinct or trust the universe to, to point you in the right direction. Because when I got back from that road trip, and then I got this job and then all this stuff has just been kind of put in my lap from helping my uncle through his year long legal thing to, you know, dealing, meeting Alphonse and, and finding different things out about how the system works and then having them proven, you know, I've tested some of Alphonse's things and we'll, we'll probably get into that in the next um, segment. But once you trust your instincts and, and start to go with it and things start to fall into your lap, you know, you, you just got to keep going with it. I'm, I wish people would 
I don't know, I guess, trust more in the fact that, that things are going to work out and to follow their instincts. So will you be uh, following up on your loss of employment? It's kind of ironic to me that the way you were let go was fearful and underhanded. Instead of simply telling someone you're not doing what we want you to do, you got to go. And back, it wasn't too long ago. In the old days, didn't they need to give you a warning before they fired you unless it was completely <laughs> so egregious that it's just, what? where have we come? It's It's beyond. Oh, we're in an emergency, don't you know? Are we? There are so many, so many things that have been put in place that basically throw off any liability or it gives all these people seemingly, or at least what they think is immunity to do all this stuff. The hospitals have immunity. Doctors and nurses, you know, they don't have to be responsible. At least that's what they're told. But when people realize that they still have their rights and, and people still have to do what is right at the end of the day, and, and I plan to hold them accountable, you know, it's even though they think that they're immune and they're doing this well, under the guise of a... Even so, don't they have family members, people they love, children? <laughs> I mean, come on, you know, um, immune yeah. from what? Being yeah. being a decent human being? Is that what the immunity covers? And the, that's the hard part. You know, everyone says, oh, I'm... They, and honestly, I do think people feel like they're doing the right thing. Like when I get harassed in Whole Foods for not wearing a mask and they, they look at me like I'm evil, they really do think that they're doing the right thing. And how, how do we get to that point? It's not just about following orders at this point. You've really got to start thinking <laughs> with your own brain. Does this make sense? I can sit down in a restaurant without a mask on, but I can't stand up. Like, like where has common sense gone? Well, humanity has become quite a gullible breed. For one thing, does, don't, don't folks ever stop to wonder why this is the magical flu of all time that never seems to end? As a matter of fact, they're beginning to introduce where I am the mystical British strain and the very scary African strain, though there's only two cases for now. Uh, this will be the never-ending story if it's allowed to be, but common sense has to be suspended for 90% of this to go on. And what's ironic is as we have this conversation, uh, I know what's going to happen uh, when this goes out online. And we're simply talking out of a heartfelt concern for living beings everywhere. That is the purpose for this conversation. That is the intent of this conversation. And yet it will come under fire. And that should tell everybody something too. As a matter of fact, I see comments all the time. Uh, oh, Crow's talking about censorship. There, there's a reason. Don't you understand what is going, what that censorship means? Um, of course, there's a lot of younger folks in our world now that don't remember back before the digital age. Uh, when there was a modicum of decency and the idea of the rights of living men and women uh, being honored at some level, certainly not broken to the degree where I guess someone flipped a crazy switch in the world because it came on so quick. That's really the most astonishing part is the the prep up to flip a switch on world go crazy, uh, how quickly it happened and how readily it was allowed to happen. And those not too many of us who said, wait a minute, not so fast. What's going on here? Uh, how quickly the heat and the pressure came to bear. But um, why don't you, do you want to, uh, why don't we wrap up hour one and get over so we can get into some of the things that initiated the new episode here. Why don't you tell people what contact information, website or email or however you'd like to do it. This is hour one. If you give out an email, you will be barraged probably. So there's all that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of taking Alphonse's lead here and, and I will 
help as many people as I can. Um, but I do have a, a blog right now that actually is a, a remnant of my, my travels. It was meant to be more of a travel blog, but it's kind of turned into a, a patient advocacy, common law, you name it. There's bits of everything, but that's, um, it's jessonthebrink.com. And people can, can find me there until the, the advocacy site launches, which I'd imagine will be in the next week or two. And that'll be uh, nursewithin.com. Because I, I, think, I think we've all got a nurse within us. We just need to find it and, and find our voice and, and advocate for ourselves. So I hope I can help people do that. Well, we used to have an idea of what was going on with our own bodies uh, until the modern era when we were convinced that only a guy in a white lab coat could possibly tell you what's going on with your own self. Um, Jason, anything you want to get in before we start wrapping up hour one of 303 here? Do you feel that there's any leg whatsoever that these people have to stand on with the quote-unquote emergency? Or are they literally making it up with the excuse of an emergency? And if anybody pushed the envelope, they could probably get somewhere with it. You know, there is something going on. I mean, there's no doubt people are getting sick. There is something going on. But regardless, even if it were, heaven forbid, something identifiable, smallpox, whatever, they're still breaking the law as far as it as far as it comes to quarantining and forcing people to wear masks what they're doing is is criminal <laughs> it doesn't matter how you how you doctor it up and, and what kind of waivers you put out there and mandates and executive orders they're they're breaking the law all right well we better draw the line there uh we'll come back in hour two in hour two we're going to cover it's a heck of a thing and i know what i'm about to say there are going to be so many people listening a good friend of ours lost his mom and actually tried to kick down the door to go see her and was still barred, recounting what happened with a couple who were separated and one could not see the other because one was hospitalized and there was imminent death involved. So we're going to cover what happened, how Jessica helped remedy part of the issue. The other part, of course, ends tragically, but we're not going to cover that side. And the reason is, is because I get so many emails from people who just want to see their mom or dad. They're being barred by a corporation. And look at me, I take care of older people. And I know what I'll have to face down if that day ever comes when you got to get the ambulance. Um, but the difference is, is I'm ready to do it. Uh, I will not be bandied about like some mindless imp. But that does bring hour one of episode 303 to a close. Join us at crow777radio.com. That's C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com for hour two of episode 303. There it is. I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Cheers.
is the enemy of knowing.